I try to do this every once in a while. I try to wing this intro and it never works out. I, okay, but I'm doing it. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime. Hold your ears, folks. Here we go. See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. This is it, guys. This is the episode you have been waiting for. Today, we are talking about the Fast and the Furious the franchise. I've been waiting for, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this week, we're going to dive into... The whole Fast and Furious franchise, I watched it all this weekend. Uh, It's going to be amazing. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and say who is someone that you would want to see in the Fast and Furious franchise. I really racked my brain for this. Oh, let me introduce myself first. I'm Sandra Amfres. <laughs> I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I really racked my brain for an answer to this question, Lucas. And I had a hard time coming with an answer because... This franchise really casts, like, action people, Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't know a lot of actors that are, like, specifically known for their action. I, like, I'm much more familiar with, like, comedic actors and such. So, the person that I decided on was, I would love to see John Cho as a villain in this franchise. Um, Oh, We've seen a lot of, like, comedic stuff from John Cho, and he's in Star Mm -hmm. Trek, but I wouldn't call him, like, the action hero of that franchise either. Let's make him the action hero. But I would... An action hero, John Cho, is exciting, but I'm much more interested in seeing John Cho play, like, a sinister role. I think... Like that, compa- like um, paired with his comedic abilities, would be really mm-hmm. fun in this universe. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think a funny bad guy would play really well in this universe. Yeah, that'd be great. That's yeah. a good one. Well, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area, and I have two that I've been kind of going back and forth on. I would love to see Maggie Q in this, um, I, in this universe. I thought about her. I haven't. I've yeah. heard of her from you. I haven't watched her in anything, but she did come to mind for me. Yeah. Yes, she's fantastic, and I think she would do very well in this universe. I also would love to see a kid, like a brand new driver in oh, this yeah. in this franchise. Yeah. So Someone I was thinking, like, um, like Chloe Chloe Grace. How do you pronounce her name? Moretz. Moretz. Yeah. Moretz. Yeah. yeah. Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, I think I think that would be really cool to get somebody really young kind of coming up in this franchise. Oh, I think that's a really awesome idea. Like a super young girl in this franchise. Exactly. Like such a great boost of energy. Yep. Yeah. I cheated, but I'm I'm excited about both of those. Let's (laughs) let's put them both in. (laughs) Sure. Um, (laughs) Well, every every week we like to talk about something we've discovered or rediscovered throughout the week, whether that be a movie, TV show, podcast, whatever. So, Sandra, what are you feeling this week? Okay. I'm feeling... Several pieces of music this week, all collected together. Um, And this week's episode of Girls, the character Elijah had this audition moment. I'm Elijah Krantz. Hi, Elijah Krantz. Uh, What will you be singing? Uh, I will be singing Let Me Be Your Star from the hit show Bombshell from the hit TV show Smash.
she'll do all she can for the love of one man and the millions who love from afar. I'm what you've been needing. It's all here in my heart's pleading. Let me be your huge fan of the tv show smash um it was pretty universally known as like not a good tv show but that did not stop me from loving it with all of my heart (laughs) (laughs) and it's a show uh in case you missed out on the experience of smash um it's a show about the making of um, a broadway musical and so it's the characters are actors and singers and dancers and um, playwrights and producers and directors and um, it lasted two seasons and every episode has several songs in it that are original pieces of music that are fitting in the universe of that show for the musical that is being created about Marilyn Monroe um, so that song that he just sang was a song from the very first episode of Smash and it's one of like the iconic songs of the show and seeing that clip just really made me um, nostalgic for this TV show that I loved so much. And I ended up spending the whole night just watching YouTube clips of different songs from Smash. (laughs) Did you check out Smash at all, Lucas, when it was on the air? Yes, yes. When it first came out, I watched the first couple episodes. That's like a show that's almost right up my alley it's so close but it just didn't work for me i i I understand that i would implore you to like if you ever have a sick day like maybe give it another chance um Mm -hmm. because i think it gets a lot better in its second season first season it had this one character and i'm blanking on his name i want to say like eli or something like that but It had this one character that was truly the worst character I've ever seen in TV. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever seen a more hated television character. People, I mean, he was just awful. And so they got rid of him after the first season, thankfully. And that (laughs) helped a little bit. Um, The show is silly, but I think it's also pretty good. I mean, it's... It's silly and the plot kind of goes all over the place, but I really love the performances in it and I love the characters and, but the best thing about the show is the music. It's original Broadway quality, in my opinion, um, theater tunes. And I love those so much. And this bounces around different genres of theater music. And most of the numbers are fully choreographed, which is also really fun to watch. Um, So if you are ever looking for a show, like I said, to like watch on a sick day, or sometimes I get in the mood to start a TV show that I know is already finished. Um, And this might be a good one for you if you are ever looking for something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, Yeah. But I would also just recommend people go on YouTube and look up songs from the musical Smash, or from the TV show Smash, the musical Bombshell in the TV show Smash. Um, There's... Uh, A lot of great stuff in there. Some of my favorites are Let Me Be Your Star, which is from the first episode. Um, There's a song called Let's Be Bad that I think is really wonderful. 
Um, and my favorite of all the songs, I mean, there's tons of them, but my favorite is, um, a song called Don't Forget Me, which is like kind of the closing number of season one. Um, and it, it makes me cry, Lucas, every time I watch just that YouTube video. (laughs) Um, so if there are any smash heads out there, um, that are listening to this podcast, please let me know so that I can become friends with you. Because um, it's a small, lovely community, us fans of Smash. So that's what I was feeling this week. Um, I stayed up all night watching these and reminiscing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll have to check it out again. It's been a while. Yeah, I haven't watched it at all since it first came out. So Sure. Yeah, understandable. I might pick it back up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, this week I'm feeling a new podcast, and it's a limited series podcast, which I always think are a ton of fun. Um, but it's called Inside Psycho, and it is a kind of a deep dive into the mysterious and peculiar happenings that occurred during the filming of the movie Psycho, um, as well as into because as well as a look into the backstory of the book that it's based on and the true events that that inspired the book. Um, so it's right now it's three episodes in and it's really creepy right now. It is very creepy, but <laughs> um, it's really interesting to see the process. The first episode is basically about the serial killer. The second episode is about the guy who wrote the book um, and he, kind of his relationship with with Alfred Hitchcock and that kind of thing. So I love the movie Psycho. It's one of, I think, the best thrillers of all time. And since I'm also super interested in how things get made, this is a perfect podcast for me. So, And I also love that it's a limited podcast because I know it's only going to be, I think it's 10 episodes, and then it's over, and I can move on with my life. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really good. So is it super like informative or is it storytelling what's like more the vibe of it yeah so it's it's basically storytelling it's um the 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 guy who kind of narrates it he reads a lot of letters from the um from the writer as well as kind of telling the story in a very descriptive manner of kind of what happened with with the original serial killer that inspired psycho um what else like this guy the guy the serial killer inspired the movie Psycho, uh, Silence of the Lambs, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's one guy. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's rough. But um, he, t- he doesn't... Again, the first episode is all about him. So it kind of talks about um, kind of his... What, what that whole situation was. Uh, but then more so, it talks about... He, uh, he, he reads some, some letters from... Um, the writer and really just does a little, little bit of, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's a little bit fictional the way he kind of talks about, um, how Hitchcock was feeling and he, it's very story based and there's a lot of like really great audio editing, um, in this. So there's some dramatized dramatization is what it is. There's a lot of dramatization of, um, of people kind of reenacting some, some parts of, of, uh, of the production and stuff. Well, that sounds really cool. Um, serial killers and all of those movies are a big like no for me but yes (laughs) if if i was interested in those things i would absolutely be checking this podcast out (laughs) yes i i love psycho because it's not a horror movie i feel like at the time it was it was definitely a horror movie but because of 
um, just the thriller elements of it. It's one of the one of the ones I can stomach. So right. Right. <laughs> it works for me. And this is a this is a very interesting podcast about it. So, well, if we don't have anything else, let's do it. Fast and furious. Okay, I so this we we talked about this was this last week or two weeks ago on the podcast? Two weeks ago, yeah. Okay, so we talked about the Fast and Furious franchise and how excited that we we really both were for the new one that's coming out. I said the trailer looked amazing. Yeah. But I had never seen the the rest of the franchise. I'd seen the first two really. Okay. And this weekend, my wife was sick and had pink eye, and we and I thought I me the hypochondriac thought I was gonna get pink eye too. So we didn't leave the house. And we were both kind of like, let's do it. Let's let's watch the whole franchise uh, and just kind of see what happens. You don't know so, how happy it makes me that the two of y'all <laughs> did this together. It was so great. And our roommate sat in and watched like three of them with us. Yeah. It was it was awesome. Which it was three really did great. the roommate sit in for? Uh, two, actually two, three, four, and five. So four of them. Okay. She, she, yeah, she sat, sat through four of them. Okay. So, um, yeah, so Saturday we watched the first five. Wow. And then Sunday morning we watched... Um, the last two. So that's a lot. Of I got to tell you, it was it's getting into a car and driving after watching seven movies in a row was intense. Especially seven movies about driving. I I know I know that's yeah. <laughs> watching those movies and then driving, crazy. Yeah. I felt I felt like I should be speeding the entire time. Right, right. <laughs> in my Honda Accord. So but. <laughs> here's the funny thing is that. I'm a huge fan of this franchise, but I haven't actually seen all of them. I've only seen one, four, five, six, and seven. I skipped two and three. Um, okay. Basically, mostly based on recommendations from other people mm-hmm. that two and three just weren't very good. And they're the ones without Vin Diesel in them, so that doesn't sound as appealing to me. Yep. <laughs> um, and that basically, as long as I read a plot summary of them, that I would be fine for the rest of the movies, which I think yes. is pretty true from what I can tell. Agreed. You get more Han in the third one, who's my favorite character. Mine too, of... yeah. So that I've so, always considered watching the third one one day, and I just have never mm-hmm. made time for it. The third one, I think, is a big turning point in the series. Um and it's it's when Justin Lin took over, right? Um, took over directing, and again, it's definitely one of the worst ones. But it you can definitely see where the franchise is is going from there, just stylistically. Right. Yeah. So. Okay. So, Lucas, should we? Yes. Should we talk about these in order? How how should we do this? So let's let yeah let's let's start from the beginning. Okay. You you have seen the first one. Yes, it correct. was a really long okay. time ago though. Okay. Um, the first one I think is very. Very traditional. It's a racing movie. It's about the cars. It's about street racing. And, and a group um, of criminals, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, and a group of criminals. Like street criminals. I, agreed. And, and just to be clear for everybody, we're going to be spoiling the entire franchise. Right. The first Spoilers the whole thread. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you haven't seen them, I highly encourage you to go see all of these movies. They're a ton of fun. They're ridiculous. But do it. Please I would also it. say... And maybe you would disagree with me on this, Lucas, but I would say that this is a kind of franchise where 
even if you're spoiled for it, there's it's still so fun because it's so visual. Um, oh yeah, there are definitely there's, some plot twists, but yeah, most of very f- I would very say few. if you've seen a trailer for any of these movies, all of the plot <laughs> twists have been spoiled for you already about like yes. who's still alive or anything like that. So agree. If you've seen trailers, you've already probably been spoiled. So you could probably still listen to this conversation if you just want to see what the fun is all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about the first one. Okay. So the first one is very strictly about street racing um, and some undercover cops looking into some criminals. That's really it. Right. Uh, I think what I really liked about that movie is that, one, actually, to back up, to start, I know nothing about cars. I don't, (laughs) I kind of hate cars. I want my car to be able to get me from point A to point B, but I don't want to, I don't really care how it works at all. Right. Yeah, I'm same. Yeah. So, like, the whole car movies in the past have never interested me at all because a lot of it is about taking apart cars and about the not not only the mechanics of cars but also just the coolness of, oh, this is a specific type of car and this is, you know, what's cool about it, which doesn't interest me at all. Um, so the first one has a little bit of that, but a lot of it is really just about the racing. Um, and also that doesn't interest me at all. Car chases in movies, for me... Are terrible because at the be- at the beginning you find out the stakes of the race or the chase and then you have the chase slash race and then at the end all that matters is who won slash got away and the whole middle of the chase doesn't really matter there usually aren't spectacular visuals um, or anything like that to keep me interested so i can usually tune out during a race slash chase um, and i think that's how it was at the beginning of this series for me is all the races is when I was like, okay, I'm going to hang out on my phone. And as the series got farther into it, they became more of the spectacle. Right. Um, and that was the stuff to pay attention to. There still wasn't a lot of like plot stuff woven into those things, mm-hmm. um, but there's way more to pay attention to. Right. <laughs> yeah. Later as the series gets on, the chase sequences are the action set pieces of the whole movie versus like a colorful moment in the movie. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, so back to, back to the first one again, <laughs> as I was saying. Um, so it's a, it's basically Paul Walker plus playing an undercover cop investigating or in, infiltrating a gang of street racers um, to try to find out who is stealing these CRT TVs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with built-in like VHS or DVD players. I forget. Uh, but yeah, it's super dated. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but what I, I, I think what I, what I really loved about that movie is the dynamic of the relation of his relationship with all of these people. It's still super cheesy, but by the end of it, you love all of these characters. Um, now, at the end of that movie, it's not really set up for a sequel. I don't think they were really planning on doing a sequel. But number two, Vin Diesel basically asks too much money, so he wouldn't come back. Well, so they decided to... Can we also oh, go for we it. move on to the sequel? Can yes. I just say that the one distinct memory I have from the first movie is oh, like yeah. a crazy hot scene between Michelle Rodriguez and Vin Diesel. Like... 
the Letty Dom romance in that movie is set up very nicely. Um, and becomes like this recurring storyline throughout the franchise. And so like this like um, chemistry is really like set ablaze in this first movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like their relationship is stressed a lot more than Brian and Mia's relationship. Yeah. Paul Walker and Jordana Brewster's uh, characters. Um, whereas they, I feel like they become more of a focus in later movies. Sure. Uh- um. Just trying to think yeah, if there's anything else from the first movie. But oh, yeah. one fun fact that I learned recently was that both Jordana Brewster and Michelle Rodriguez didn't have driver's license before they started making that movie. Yeah, I read that. that and <laughs> which is crazy. That is, and that Michelle Rodriguez has said that like I learned how to drive on the set of the Fast and the Furious movies, and it like made me a very reckless driver. <laughs> like, yeah, I c- I can't imagine learning how to drive doing a street racing movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay, um, so let's move on to the yeah. sequel that I haven't seen. Yes. So so the second one um, is where they introduce Tyrese. Ty is it Tyrese Gibson? Yeah, I should be looking at that these. That sounds things. right. Um, yeah, the second one is where they introduce Tyrese Gibson. I think hoping to to spin this off into something else because um, Vin Diesel didn't want to participate anymore. Um, The second one did better financially, but it still wasn't like a franchise builder. Um, And it's really just Paul Walker and Tyrese Gibson, you know, quipping in Florida, which was fun, but the story and ludicrous. That's right. That's where they introduced ludicrous. Um, Yeah. The story not great. Not great at all. I think it's probably, it might be, it's one of the worst. For it's one of the two worst films. are curious, it's about, Paul Walker goes, it's, it's in Florida, right? Is it set in Florida? Yeah. It, Paul yeah. Walker is on the run um, after, like, the events of the first movie, and mm-hmm. he cuts a deal with, like, the federal agents or someone in Florida to help take down a drug lord. Yeah. Um, and even Basically, all plays, of these like, movies are... All these movies are them teaming up with the police to get immunity for what they did in the past movie. Right. (laughs) But yeah, as criminals, they just keep this cycle of like, commit the crime, help the cops out to forgive myself. Commit the crime. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that that one, not great. That one, I I would say it's my second to least favorite movie. Okay. Um, I would, yeah, like you said, plot synopsis, just read that not much happens that uh that gets brought back um and so then that uh, the franchise supposedly dead uh but justin lynn takes it over to basically do a whole new thing with my least favorite lucas and my least favorite little uh little bow wow and lucas black (laughs) in tokyo drift which you have not seen this movie either oh my goodness this movie is terrible basically this alabama teenager moves to japan because he's a terrible kid and it's basically it's that or get arrested um and picks up street racing with little bow wow in japan but lucas black walks around being this just trashy american in japan that sounds infuriating (laughs) it's it's awful it's so bad and it's it has not aged well at all um but we get our introduction to Han in this movie, uh, who's played by Sung Kang. 
Kong. Sung Kang. Kang? Kong? K-A-N-G? Dang it. Yep. Sung Kang is what we're going to say. Sung Kang, yes. And he he is amazing, and he kind of... I don't know if he single-handedly revitalized the franchise, but apparently after this film, everybody wanted more. I would um, say that Vin Diesel single-handedly, Justin Lin and Vin Diesel together single-handedly revitalized this franchise. Um, but I think that this is a great actor playing a great character. I, I agree. I think he's the he's the only good part of um, Tokyo Drift. Right. So, for sure. Um, here's where I think we should explain some of the timeline stuff that's happening. Um, yes. The let's let me first say that the Fast and the Furious franchise isn't bound by things like science or time <laughs> or reality. It's one of the reasons I love it so much. It lets you have <laughs> as much fun as possible because it does not give a fuck about those previously mentioned things. Um, it makes zero sense. Right. But at the same time. I do think they did a lot of really creative storytelling stuff to not only weave in characters that were at the beginning of the franchise into movies later on in the franchise, um, but they also um, took what was kind of a big weird flaw, these strange sequels, and made it into an asset. So, like Lucas said, they made the first movie with Vin Diesel. They made the second movie without Vin Diesel. And then they made the third movie without Paul Walker or Vin Diesel. Um, so Sung Kang played the character of Han in a movie called Better Luck Tomorrow that Justin Lin directed. And when Justin Lin was putting together this movie for Tokyo Drift, he brought Sun Ying, Sung Kang back to play this character Han again. Um, sort of. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, <laughs> sort of connecting his, like, movie he made in 2002 into the Fast and the Furious franchise. Um, The character of Han was like this teenage criminal uh, who was a chain smoker in the Fast in Better Luck Tomorrow. And so he just brought this character into this movie as like an older criminal. Um, And there's some... Okay, I have to watch that then. Yeah, I have to watch that too. I've heard that it's good. Um, There are some references to him and like his character identity from that movie later on in the franchise. Um, so anyway, so Justin Lin took over. So then Han... Also, real quick, his name is Han Solo. Yeah, his name is Han Solo. By the way, which is Sol crazy. Solo is spelled S-E... Um, what is O-U-L. It? Yeah, and so... and, oh, and uh, Dash O-H. Dash yeah. O-H. Han Solo. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that... I've read a lot of Fast and the Furious wikis lately, Lucas. And so I know that um, Justin Lin considers that um, an alias of Hans. So, like, right, that's right. not Hans' like, legal name. Um, yes. Which I just think yeah. is fun and clever. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So, talking about Tokyo Drift, at the end of Tokyo Drift, the character of Han is killed. Um, Mm -hmm. but Han is this really great character and that actor is really great. So the writers of Tokyo Drift kind of wrote the franchise into this sticky situation where they wanted to use this character Han again, but they already killed him off. So when they made the fourth movie, um, Han appears at the beginning of this fourth movie, um, and says a line 
at one point saying like, oh, you know, I'm on my way. There's some really exciting stuff happening in Tokyo. Setting it up to the fact that this fourth movie in the timeline of the Fast and Furious franchise takes place, the events of the fourth movie take place before the events of Tokyo Drift. Exactly. And that um, storytelling tool that they implemented in the, uh, the fourth movie um, goes into effect throughout the franchise. So that's mm-hmm. that's my introduction to that it's timeline issue. ridiculous <laughs> but it's a it's a great way to get out of painting yourself into a corner um and I, I i truly think universal lucked out on this franchise like they were not trying to build a cinematic universe at all <laughs> this just kind of happened and they are reaping the benefits now Absolutely. so <laughs> um but yeah, so the fourth one I th- I think is the first one of this kind of new focused Fast and Furious franchise. I agree. Um, this is where, where everyone's I really back. Got started. Yes, um, and it's just called Fast and Furious. Also, the naming structure of okay. these movies makes zero sense. While we're on the topic, <laughs> let's go over the naming structure. So the names okay. of the movies are the first one is called The Fast and the The Furious. Fast and the Furious. The yes. The second one is called Too Fast, Too Furious. With Which is a great name. It is a great name. <laughs> and that's with the number 2, not the word 2. Yes. The third movie is called The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. The f- yep. fourth movie is called Fast and Furious with an ampersand. <laughs> Not the word and, like the first movie has. The fifth movie is called Fast Five. The sixth movie is called Fast and Furious Six. Yeah, but the title card says Furious Six in the movie. But that's not what it's called. But that's not what it's called. (laughs) And the seventh movie is called Furious Seven. And then the eighth one that's coming out in a couple weeks is called The Fate of the Furious, which is an amazing title. Now, it is. <laughs> let me, while we're on this topic, let me explain to you one of my favorite Tumblr posts, which is where someone takes um, the movie, the Harry Potter franchise, and applies the Fast and the Furious naming structure to the <laughs> Harry Potter franchise, where it's like the Harry and the Potters, and then it's two Harry, oh two gosh. Potter, <laughs> Harry Potter, Tokyo Drift, and then Harry and Potter. <laughs> And then it continues on. <laughs> but um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a fun, fun one for me. Um, so, yeah, so we're now we're discussing movie four, Fast and Furious. Yes. So this movie is the one that brings back it, it brings back Vin Diesel into the franchise. And Vin Diesel not only is an actor in the franchise again, um, he becomes an executive producer, which I think makes the world of a difference in this franchise. Yep. Um, for those of you who are interested in being true completists, there is a short film that Vin Diesel wrote and directed called Los Bandoleros, and it's a 20-minute film that is supposed to take place before movie four, Fast and Furious, to kind of fill us in on what Vin Diesel's character Dom and uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character Letty have been up to in the um, in the meantime, um, and it also had Han plays a, a strong role in that short film as well. I still haven't seen that. I need to. Yeah, you do. It's interesting. It's really neat to see. Yeah. 
um, Vin Diesel as a director. And I think it's mm-hmm. really interesting. Um, so we see what kind of criminal activity they've been up to and where they've been traveling in that short film. And so then we get started with Fast and Furious. We have Vin Diesel's back. Michelle Rodriguez is back. We have um, Han, the character of Han um, working with them, um, knowing that this takes place before Tokyo Drift. All right. So where? Mm-hmm. what is this movie about, Lucas? You've watched it more recently than I have. This is the Mexico one where Brian, Paul Walker's character, now works for the FBI somehow. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, reinstated and now working for the FBI uh, is forced to work with Dom and his crew um, to take down a Mexican drug lord. And Well, we should say before that. Okay. Before that happens. I get... I guess we are getting into, like, yeah. Yeah. Full spoilers. Yeah, we're just talking <laughs> about the plot of these movies. That's true. Yeah. 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 Before that happens, um, so Dom and Dom is involved in, like, a lot of criminal activity, right? And Michelle mm-hmm. Rodriguez's character, Letty, his lover, um, decides to um, go undercover for the FBI in a drugs and like sort of like in a drug ring um, mm-hmm. to buy pardons for Dom. So she's really like yep. kind of risking doing some risky activity to um, bring Dom back to the U S and get him a full pardon. Um, yep. And while doing that, um, the, the deal, the deal that she's involved in goes bad and she's killed. Um, so the movie yep. starts, and that's sort of all at the beginning of the movie. So the movie starts with Dom kind of um, really torn up because the love of his life um, has just been killed, and it was because of him in in a way. And Paul Walker's character Brian was involved with the FBI getting Letty to go undercover, so he's feeling a lot of guilt for that as well. Um, and they're looking to nab the drug lord that was involved. Uh, involved in the death of Letty. So from that, we get a great also we get a great movie set on the border of Mexico and I think California. Yeah, Mexico and California, and we get our introduction to I forgot her name. Giselle. Gal Gadot. Giselle. Exactly. Yes. So this is her first movie credit ever. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, that's really amazing. Yeah. Um, but she's awesome. She's so awesome. <laughs> She plays um, someone working for the drug lord. The drug lord's name is Braga. Um, So -hmm. she plays someone, Giselle is like someone that works for Braga um, and interacts with Vin Diesel in this movie. Um, So I remember, I haven't seen this movie in a while, Lucas, but I remember this movie being like pretty compelling. Um, Mm -hmm. Paul Walker and Vin Diesel's character, Dom and Brian, they haven't seen each other in a while. And they're both dealing with, like, grief and anger, um, but they also have similar goals. And so they kind of have to work together, even though uh, they don't really get along or have a lot of warm feelings for each other at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Especially Yeah, because, this is the most drama-ish, like, angsty yeah, movie of the franchise. There's a lot of, like, the built-in conflict from the first movie that, like, Brian works for the law and Dom has been a criminal his entire life. And so um, there's like that initial, like initial conflict between the two of them. And now there's like Mm -hmm. this added conflict of the fact that, you know, 
Letty is dead. That he got Letty killed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, I think one of the things that I miss from this movie is, especially like watching them all back to back is just, I guess it is the, the humor of the other movies is not a lot of like fun stuff happens in, in this movie. It's a good movie. I like it, but, um, it's not as upbeat. Um, it's a lot more serious. I mean, obviously with Letty dying at the beginning of of the film, it, uh, (laughs) it doesn't take the best turns from there. Um, and we're, we're missing, we're missing Tyrese Gibson, who's in a lot of the other ones, but he hasn't rejoined the franchise yet. And so, so this he's a lot of the comic relief later, right? Like you said, it's definitely not as fun. It does have some incredible action in it. From what I can remember, there's an opening action scene where Dom Mm -hmm. and his gang are trying to steal like, uh, like an oil truck. Um, yeah. And that was, I watched that clip recently and that was really impressive. Um, but this movie I think does a really great job of setting you up for like a lot of the relationships that are going to happen throughout this franchise and like the, what, how, what these characters mean to each other. I think this movie is really Mm -hmm. important to see because of, for those reasons. Yeah. One thing Justin Ling, just Justin Ling, Justin Lin got dinged on um, in this movie is the amount of CG backgrounds he used. Um, A lot of it was people in cars on green screens. And so in the future movies, I'd say like 90% of it is real. Like obviously there's like there's CGI additions to stuff. um, But a lot of the car stunts and things like that are things that are actually being pulled off, which... I think adds a lot to the franchise they too. They pride themselves on performing like insane stunts that are like really real stunts. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a there's a car tunnel chase sequence in um, this movie that yeah. I know people ding it on for the CGI, but I will say I remember watching that sequence and still really loving it. Um, oh yeah, for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. we end that movie with. Dom being arrested um, mm-hmm. and uh, they take the drug lord down, you know, and at the end of the movie, we see Brian and Dom's sister, Mia, uh, helping Dom escape from transport to prison. Um, so by the end of the movie, we realize Brian has gone rogue yet again. He... Uh, this is one of my favorite things about the character of Brian is that he has this <laughs> internal conflict constantly with like being a criminal and also being an age, being an agent of the law. Um, he, he knows the law and I think he like really respects this training and skill that being like a law, a federal agent provides, but he also like loves the streets and he like can't <laughs> stay away from a life of crime. So, Seeing the very end, um, the fact that he is like kind of joined back with this gang and is helping someone escape from prison is really fun to see, a fun note to end, end a movie on. Yes, absolutely. And for the first time in the franchise, we have one movie pick up right where the other one left off Which for I Fast Five. I love when that happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Fast Five opens with. Um, the chase sequence where Brian and Mia are helping Dom escape. Um, And it moves straight into this movie where they escape to Brazil. 
um, on the run from the government. Yeah. So this movie is my favorite movie yeah. for sure. Um, this movie introduces um, The Rock, mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson. Playing the which character is of Hobbs, which is like he's a federal a Hobbs, agent. Which is mostly just charismatic The Rock being tough yes. is really all it is, which is all you want like, out of really The Rock. Like really the most <laughs> macho character. He and Vin Diesel so are true. constantly competing to be more macho than the other in this franchise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so yeah, so basically they're doing a, they're, they plan a heist in Rio, which is exactly what I wanted out of this franchise. And the second I realized that this was actually just going to be a heist movie, um, was amazing. I, (laughs) they, they bring in every, basically everybody they've ever talked to from all the other movies. Yeah. This is where the Um, team gets together. mm -hmm. Bring them all into Rio. They plan and execute a heist. I says I, I called this blue collar Ocean's Eleven because so much of this pulls from um, that classic like Ocean's Eleven heist heist movie. They um, they do a lot of like similar music, a lot of similar setup. Um, they they do a, a they swap the safe like in Ocean's they Eleven. Do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's great, which I'm I'm 100% okay with because <laughs> they do it differently. So it's like it they make it their own thing. Um they the the stunts in this one um are fantastic. Vin Diesel and the Rock get to fight, which is amazing. Um they this is I think the first one that when they were doing they had a car chase, but the cars are pulling a vault down the street. I mean And that that you can't not watch incredible. that. Incredible. I know. So yeah, two cars are dragging a vault down the streets of Rio. So that is the kind of car chase that I want. Is one that I cannot look away from. It's amazing. This is the movie, like you said, where the team gets together. So uh, we mm-hmm. have Tyrese Gibson comes back uh, playing what's the character's mm. name? Roman. Yes, uh, Roman. And then we have Ludacris coming back. I don't know what Ludacris's character's name is, but we just, we can just call Tej, him Tej, something like that. I think it's Tej. Tej, yes, that's right. Um, playing sort of like the tech guy. He's the you know that the, the tech guy of the group. Um, <laughs> and we have Gal Gadot comes back as Giselle from the previous movie, um, and Sung Kang comes back as Han, um, and so. We have all these people who have different skill sets, but they can all drive cars really well. Like that is a universal yep. skill set in this, in this <laughs> gang. Um, and it also sets up uh, the very beginnings of um, the romance between my two favorite characters, Giselle and Han. Um, they're both yep. kind of like the cool headed members of the group that really gravitate towards you, towards each other. And um, their chemistry, I just think, is so great. And I, I love watching them. Um, their banter is, like, very lighthearted, but it, it's, I really enjoy it. Yep, yep. They they are they were definitely a needed couple in this franchise. Right. <laughs> yeah, so they... And then we also find out at the end of this one that Brian and Mia are having a kid. Yeah, yeah. And so Brian and Mia are, like, now a very strong couple, you know, they mm-hmm. had this on off this on again off again thing in the previous movies because of the tension he had with Dom and and his history as a cop. But now that he's like fully a criminal and kind of committing to that, um, mm-hmm. the two of them are a set couple. He is a member of the family now, and yeah, they're having a kid. 
Um, so that's part of like their goal is in this movie is to achieve this heist, which is for a hundred million dollars. Um, so that they can have enough money to move to a country where they don't have to worry about being chased by the law. And we should say that the character of Hobbs, played by The Rock, shows up in this movie solely to arrest Brian and Dom. He is there to track them down and take them back to the U.S. Um, yep. So while the Dang is trying to, like, achieve this heist and steal money from drug lords in Brazil, who, who are some of the villains in this movie. We also have Hobbs hunting them down simultaneously. Um, the Fast and the Furious franchise does that a lot where there's like multiple villains um, or sometimes mm-hmm. like the villains turn into uh, uh, alliances. Um, so it's a really fun way to like play with characters and mix, mix up the storylines. Yep. Um, and then from here, we jump right into uh, Fast and Furious 6, okay, which kicks off as all of them having achieved their, again, this is almost like an Ocean's 12 situation where we see everybody and what they did with their their riches <laughs> is how we, how we join the gang. They're living in, I don't know what country, but it's like some beautiful tropical country that doesn't extradite criminals. So they're all just like, I feel like they're all, they're all somewhere else. Like, I feel like everybody is on a, in a different place. Yeah. Well, Han and Giselle are traveling the world. Um, Classic. Yeah. And so <laughs> they're just like living this fabulous life traveling. Um, mm-hmm. And they're all, and another thing that they keep saying is like, we're going to go to Tokyo someday. Again, reminding Eventually. us that this is st- all happening before the events of Tokyo Drift. Um, yep. So they're traveling the world. Um, Tej, Ludacris's character, is like living somewhere, spending his money. Um, Roman is spending his money on women. Um, but Dom and Mia and Brian are in a beautiful tropical country. Mia has just given birth to their son. Um, and they're there because it doesn't extradite and the U S definitely wants to arrest Dom and Brian. Um, so they're living there just like we're family. Everything's beautiful. Um, when, uh, Oh, we, we didn't mention the stinger at the end of fast five. Was there a stinger at the end of Fast Five? I know there was one at the end of Fast you Six. You tweeted about the stinger at the end of Fast Five, Lucas. The stinger at the end. Oh of my the gosh! Credits. Yes, you're you're right. Ah, I forgot okay. that was this one. At the end of Fast Five, there's a stinger after the credits, and we see Hobbs working on the case. He wasn't able to arrest Dom and Brian and the gang, so he's kind of mad about it, you know. And <laughs> we then see Eva Mendes' character from the from second movie, two. movie sh- come up into Dobbs, uh, to Hobbs' office and say, you're going to want to see this. And she throws a file folder on the desk. And inside the file folder is a photo of Letty, Michelle Rodriguez. <sighs> So, who died in the fourth movie. Who died in the fourth movie. So now we realize <laughs> that Letty is alive and well and still being a criminal. So um, a fun fact about That's, that you're right. is that Michelle Rodriguez didn't know that Letty was still alive until she saw Fast Five in a theater. Yeah, they had not contacted her about being in the sixth movie. until. Yeah, they wanted to like surprise after. her. Um, <laughs> and so she got to see, like, be surprised, so, which is crazy. Um, so then Fast Six starts, 
And Hobbs shows up on this tropical island where, um, like, Dom and, and Brian and Mia are all living and shows Dom that Letty is still alive. And Dom is just kind of like, you know, I have to go find her because she's family. And by this point in the franchise, like, that has become a really important thing is that, like, we are a family. Family's the most important thing to all of us. Uh, we stick this together. This is the no most family what. film. Loyalty, this is... <laughs> like, loyalty is a major yeah. theme in this franchise. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I have to go find her. She's family. Mia's like, yes, yeah, she's family. No question. Brian, you have to go with him. Y'all work so, y'all are better together than apart. I'll stay here with the baby. And uh, they get the ting back together um, to help find Letty. And the reason Hobbs is trying to get Dom to come help him is because Letty is working with a group of criminals that Hobbs is trying to track down. They're based in England, but they are international criminals that are trying to steal some sort of microchip that would basically kill a bunch of people. Um, The usual. And Letty is working with this group. And so Hobbs tells Dom, look, if you will help me track down these criminals and stop them, it'll lead you to Letty. Plus, um, we'll get the gang back together and everyone has full pardons. So the, all the gang comes back together to help Dom and to receive full pardons. Um, so we get to go to London to deal with Luke Evans as a major mastermind criminal um, who is working with, as they say, vehicular warfare is a phrase that's used a lot in both movie six and movie seven. So movie six, I think, Lucas, is where five is my favorite movie because it's a classic Mm -hmm. heist film. Yep, definitely. I think five is where the the franchise starts to get really, really good. Um, Yep. But six, I think, is the most fun movie. Um, It's really action-packed it's not super serious um there's a lot of great romantic tension in six um this is like a a really world-class action movie Mm -hmm. i think this is the first ridiculous one that you're just like this is out of control which i love it it's it's amazing it's absolutely amazing But it, yeah, six is where it takes it to a whole new level of crazy, crazy stuff happening in the movie. Um, the two, I guess there are th- two scenes in here that I really want to talk about. Um, the first one is there's a tank chase on a freeway. Oh, tank chase is in, incredible. And I have no idea where they are. But in the middle of nowhere, there's a tank chase on a freeway where they're trying to take down a tank with their cars. Yeah. Classic Fast the and the Furious type situation. Over innocent cars on a highway, like it is. So many people die oh, in this tons. movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But yeah. So again, th- at this point, we're not really worried about what the plot is or what the bad guys' motivations are. This is about spectacle and fun at this point. Right. Um. So that sequence, I think, is incredible. I think they do a lot of really crazy stuff. Um, and yet it's really well paced. Um, it doesn't last too long or anything like that. I would that. say that sequence is the first time where our characters sort of become superheroes. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of oh, yeah. in the franchise where it's like really death-defying stunts are happening, but 
all like could be in the realm of possibility, <laughs> you know, like, um, yes, they're, you know, they're crazy, but like still possible. There's a moment in this stunt where Dom jumps out of a car to catch that he's driving, driving to catch Letty, who is shot off of a tank <laughs> across two different highways and he, <laughs> and he catches her in the air and then lands on a parked car on a highway um and everyone walks away fine right. and it's really much like yeah y'all just flew like y'all are <laughs> they really are very much like superhuman beings in that moment they they are doing some crazier things than captain american does absolutely in some of his movies right so, <laughs> so you just got to go with it with these things yeah. Um, but I love it. I love it. Um, there's so much jumping between cars and from cars and from tanks to cars and from planes to cars in this movie. So what was the other (laughs) Um, one that you really... Yeah. The second one is at the end of this movie, um, Luke, Luke Evans's character, Owen Shaw is trying to take off in this massive, uh, plane and everyone drives up onto the runway to try to stop him. And there's so many, I guess, grappling guns. Yeah. Um, lots hooked to cars. Lots of people in cars shooting grappling guns at the plane to try to weigh at the it plane. Down. Yeah. Right. And so the plane is taking off par- partially. So we have cars off the ground. We have people fighting in cars that are flying. Right. We have people in the plane flying, and we have people jumping from cars to plane and plane to cars, and that sequence is insane i i loved it i think that sequence went on way too long in that movie um i think it weighed it down a little bit but just the premise of it and how many people you have to keep track of this is i think these are the movies that people who are making superhero movies should be watching yeah because in these movies you have so many characters you have probably like in in this plane fight i think you have close to like 16 people fighting at once right and yet you can keep track of all of the action everybody's segmented segmented enough to make these fight sequences work and i really don't think that like yeah no other movies do action sequences like fast and the furious and not just car no yeah i'm talking action sequences in general guns absolutely hand-to-hand combat car chases like all of it together they it's so complex and also like spectacular and yet you can track Mm -hmm. everything everything makes sense um when they cut between two people fist fighting to a car chasing somewhere like they cut the editing is just really on point it's so impressive yeah you're never lost at all which you think you would be with all the ridiculousness that is happening here (laughs) but um so anyway, obviously they take down the bad guy. Um, and well, okay, so some important things to note before we move on is that okay, yeah. Um, so Letty is working with this criminal group, right? And we find out in this movie that Letty, when she, when we thought she was killed, um, in movie four, it turns out she escaped from a car accident, but then lost her memory. So this criminal. Classic amnesia plot. (laughs) Exactly. So this criminal Owen Shaw took her in, um, mostly because she didn't have a memory and he could kind of like mold her to whatever he wanted. Um, And she joined this new criminal group. 
So when Dom and them find Letty, she doesn't remember any of them. And she is kind of choosing to stick with her new criminal group because that's who she's familiar with. Um, Dom and Letty have a, a race sequence in this movie. Every Fast and the Furious movie has a street race. That's one of my favorite moments in all of the movies. Um, this time it takes place between Dom and Letty and they have this amazing scene together. Vin Diesel is just so sexy and charming in this, in these movies. And the chemistry between the two of them is so hot. Um, they have this scene where she is obviously like very attracted to him um, and feels this familiarity, even though she doesn't remember him. And he is showing her all these different scars on her body and telling her where she got all those scars because they've grown up together. And it's really, really amazing. And another thing that's so great about that scene and their relationship is because in any other, I think, big action movie, the goal would be to, like, capture Letty and bring her back with the group. Um... And even if she doesn't remember them, kind of force her to go with them. And this movie doesn't do that. He Dom is, like, very respectful of her. And he is, like, showing up. And he's going to, like, let her choose to come with him. And not just, like, force her to come back to her family. Um, and so that scene is, like, a really great example of how that relationship plays out. Um, so by the end of the movie, um, Letty still doesn't remember the um, the team or Dom, but she does trust them and decides to like side with them by the end for the final action sequence. I liked that so much about this movie that it didn't end with her getting her memory yeah. back. It was, it was just built on like, I trust you guys, so I'm just going to go with you right. guys now. <laughs> right. Um, so at the end of the movie, oh, we also need, now need to talk about one of the most heartbreaking moments in the franchise during the big plane action sequence, yep. um, Giselle and Han are fighting these guys, and they're on a car that's attached to a plane that's in the air. Um, so <laughs> they're <laughs> essentially in the air flying, on fighting on a car, um, and Giselle sees one of the criminals that they're fighting against pull a gun on Han and is about to kill Han. And she's kind of hanging off the car and Han's holding on to her. And she decides to let go of Han, shoot the person who's about to kill Han. And as she's, but to do that, she has to fall into an abyss and die. So Giselle dies at the end of this movie, leaving Han just really heartbroken. And it's, that was a really hard scene for me. I loved that character. Yeah. And I got very yep. emotional when the, crew all realizes that she's gone and dead mm -hmm. um yeah because it's about 15 minutes later when that fight yeah, ends. yeah. <laughs> it's so long <laughs> so at the end of this they capture the criminals that they meant to capture and um hobbs gives the crew the amnesty they wanted and they all get to move back to los angeles um where their home is um and, you know, have a garage there in Los Angeles. And so we end the movie with them all having a barbecue in Los Angeles. Really glad to be home. Um, Han saying that he's going to finally go to Tokyo, like they always talked about. Um, and so now that we know that this movie is 
taking place right before the events of Tokyo Drift mm-hmm. and that Han is about to go and do all the things that happened in Tokyo Drift. Um, and it's they're all just very happy and home. And then we get the stinger at the end of movie six. Yes, which is uh, Deckard Shaw, played by Jason Statham, who is, who is, who is playing... Luke Evans' brother. Brother of Owen Shaw, um, the villain that we just had yes. in six. Yes. He is the one who actually kills uh, Han in Tokyo so, in Fast and the Furious. In Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift. I guess we always kind of just thought that Han was just hit by just a random car and killed. Correct. And yes. at the end of movie six, you find out it wasn't a random car. It was... This brother of the villain we just saw targeting Han um, and killing him specifically. Um, And as he does, he calls Dominic Toretto to let him know, I'm coming for you too. Um, So I didn't watch these movies in theaters, but I heard that when this movie happened in theaters, that this stinger, people lost their minds over seeing that Jason Statham was joining this franchise. It's insane. That's like it's I keep bringing it back to superhero movies, but that is like something that would happen in a superhero yeah. movie. You you get your big bad villain for the next movie, who's usually a big deal actor at the, at the teaser. It's it's great. It's it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this franchise does a really great job of like setting up amazing things for the next to come. Um, mm-hmm. So then we start with movie seven. Um and we see that Jason Statham's character is like a huge, intense assassin criminal. Um, we're talking like on a major scale. And he is targeting all the people that took down his brother as revenge. So we know that he's already killed Han. And we see him attack Hobbs in Hobbs' office, um, putting Hobbs in the hospital. Um we see him send a bomb to Dom and Brian and Mia's house. Um, and luckily that no one's hurt from that, but they get the message that this guy is out there to, to kill them all. Um, and so the gang has to get back together again to try to end this guy before he kills all of them. Now, this was the first movie that the plot lost me a little yeah. bit. There, I think a little bit too much happened plot-wise right. in this movie. Uh, basically, Mr. Nobody, <laughs> uh, played by Kurt Russell, shows up saying, we lost something, basically another flash drive, hard drive thing, called, what do they call it, the, the God's, God's Eye? God's Eye. Um, that can find anyone, anywhere, find anything, whatever. It's, it's whatever you want to call them, a MacGuffin. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, and we will let you use it to find Deckard Shaw if you help us find this flash drive and the hacker who made it. Um, but my issue here is no matter where they go, Deckard Shaw keeps showing yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. So they don't actually need this no. thing. If they just hang out, <laughs> this guy will find them. That's <laughs> the, big, the best criticism. Um, it doesn't make any sense. I would say this movie, plot isn't great, but it has the most insane action sequences that the franchise has had yes. at, like 
overall. So it kind of makes up for it for that. Um, Yes. So the gang is, again, working with kind of this shadowy government force to steal back another hard drive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And meanwhile, and also um, at the same time, fighting this assassin that's trying to kill them all. Um, So let's just go over some of like my favorite like sequences in this movie. The first being that in order to um, attack a group of cars that are transporting a hacker that knows where the um, hard drive is um, there. So they're trying to rescue a hacker um, who's being transported. There's no way to get to the roads where these these cars (laughs) are going. It's completely blocked off. So in order to get to the roads on these mountains, you know what they do? They drop cars out of planes. <laughs> so the entire It's incredible. The entire gang, <laughs> each member has their own car. They're in a plane. Like so they're basically car skydiving. They these cars yeah. fly out of the planes and have parachutes on them and they skydive onto the road to um, track down this caravan. I also love that nobody ever carpools in these movies. No. Everyone always has to have their own right. car. <laughs> well, because in these movies, cars are weapons. You know, they're not just yeah. modes of transportation. So, like, the more cars you have available, that's it's, it's like having more people in a fight. Like, It's true. It's true. It's just always hilarious when they show up somewhere. People are so good at jumping into moving cars out of their current mm-hmm. moving cars and into moving cars. You just want to have as many of them around as possible. <laughs> it's true. Just in case somebody loses and you got to pick somebody exactly. up. Exactly. So. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so that's an incredible sequence. It That sequence ends with an amazing stunt that had me on the edge of my seat. This is the only movie I saw in a theater and it was really worth it. Um, mm. Where a bus is falling over the edge of the cliff with Brian inside of it. And Brian has to try to escape this bus that is falling off the edge of a cliff. Um, That is like a moment that I feel should go down in action movie history. Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic. I think for me, this movie is, was the first one that I felt I guess had stakes a little bit because, and this is just from production knowledge, just the fact that Paul Walker died during the making of this film. Um, And so knowing that he wasn't going to be in any of the other films, anytime he was slightly in danger in this movie, I was thinking, this is it. This could be it. Like, this is where we could, we could lose him. (laughs) When you're seeing this movie for the first time, you, you don't know what they're going to do with that character um, because you know mm-hmm. that he has died. And so you, you know that somehow they have to wrap up that character storyline because he's not going to be in the future movies, but you don't know how it's going to be wrapped up. So yeah, there was, I remember watching this in theaters, just really thinking like, oh, this is, yeah, this is, they're going to kill him off right here. You know? Um, yeah, it was really intense to watch. Um, and so, yeah, so there's some really there's one other big stunt sequence that I want to bring up which is where they go to Abu Dhabi and steal a car that's at the top <laughs> of a skyscraper. Again, let's not worry about how or why 
A it's just about the stunt. <laughs> a incredibly rare, expensive sports car, and it's locked in a vault at the top of a skyscraper. And so, in order to escape, Vin Diesel drives the car out of the top floor of the skyscraper through the window walls of the skyscraper into making the car fly, essentially, into another skyscraper that is side by side. Um, And then he realizes once he's in the second building... Um, that his the car doesn't have any brakes, and so he has to do it another time into a third <laughs> building. <laughs> Seeing that car oh, fly man. in between skyscrapers was so magnificent, especially if you didn't see it coming. And that's, again, the practical stunts in this. Like, obviously, they didn't go through a skyscraper, right. but just the amount of work i think that w- went into the stunts behind this is incredible yeah. really crazy yeah. um another plot point i want to bring up in this movie is that throughout the seventh movie um letty and dom are kind of having this tension between the two of them because they're together they're a couple um they are dom but dom is obviously much more in love with her because he has this entire history with her and she only knows him um, for, you know, recently because she lost her memory. And she mm-hmm. brings that up about how, like, you know, I can't love you the way you love me right now. Like, that's um, that's it's hard for me to do. And so throughout the movie, you have them trying to figure out how to be with one another or how to be around one another with that kind of tension brewing. Um, I loved the moment where he takes her to a street race in Los Angeles. Um, Again, I think trying to jog her memory and she asks him, she's like, Oh, you and I used to do this. And he goes, we invented it. And and it just made me feel so many wonderful things because I love romance and I love criminals. And I just love like this history of this King and this queen of the, of these cars and this crime. And Oh, it's all just my favorite things rolled into one. Um, So that's happening throughout this movie. I just kind of wanted to bring that up. Yeah. And that's, that I think is the most down to earth that this, this movie gets. Um, I feel like we see some relationship, not drama, but um, I think intrigue with Brian and Mia um, as he's worried about, you know, how does he be a father and kind of do this life? At the very beginning of the um, movie, Brian is kind of bored with domestic life, um, life mm -hmm. away from crime. And he, you know, is driving a minivan and he has a kid and a wife and he loves them very much. But this isn't, you know the life that he always envisioned for himself. And Mia knows that. And Mia at the beginning of the movie tells Dom that she's pregnant with their second child, but she's nervous to tell Brian about it because she doesn't, she's worried that he'll be disappointed. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Mia again is kind of keeping the, their son safe while they're out on this adventure. Um, I kind of want to bring that up really quick. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about the way the Fast and the Furious franchise treats women in this and in, 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 in all the movies. Um, I'm not going to bring up anything from movie two or three because I haven't seen them. And I've heard that maybe those are some like pretty bad examples of 
Absolutely. Right? So <laughs> this is not counting those two movies. Um, but I really love a lot of the depictions of women throughout these movies. One thing I don't like is every movie has like a dedicated sequence where it's just like shots of women's asses. Um, usually it's like during just girls dancing right, and yeah, like cut off shorts or bikini bottoms, mm-hmm. usually at the race, it's usually at yeah. a race or a party. Yeah. It happens every single time. Like <laughs> I don't hate it. I think it's like, I get it, but it's also like, yeah, you're just like just showing like women off for their bodies and that's it. And that's not like my favorite thing, you know? Um, yeah. But aside from that, the way the female characters are treated in this movie, I think is really awesome. Um, I love how capable characters like Letty and Giselle are. There's also other female characters that we haven't mentioned that I think are important to these movies, but they don't, they're not always recurring. You know, they might show up in one mm-hmm. and not another. Um, but there's usually like another um, one or two female characters that are villainous characters or a cop character that's working with Hobbs. Um, and they, all of them are equally capable as every man in these movies. Um, mm-hmm. And there are more men than there are women in these movies, but I will say I think the ratio is a lot higher than most action movies you get. Most action Agreed. movies, it's like a group of men and one lady. And this yeah. one has like at least two or three really capable women in each one. Um, And that's really exciting to see. And they're incredibly badass. Um, In the seventh movie, we get a cameo from Ronda Rousey in this like incredible fight sequence with Michelle Rodriguez. Um, And so I, I have a really, I'm really excited about that. But at the same time, we also have Jordana Brewster playing Mia who is also a very capable female character. She can drive just as well as the rest of the team. She mm-hmm. is a smaller woman and she doesn't do any of like the real fighting that the other female characters do. Um, yep. But she is an equally valued member, I think of the team in the family. Um, and yeah. I, I really like that this movie shows both women being like, these badass warriors and then also female characters being these like maternal figures. Um, and mm-hmm. that like, you can have both of those types of characters in one movie. Like your women don't have to be one or the other, um, uh, to have a woman in your movie. Right. It's, it seems like, and in a lot of movies where they do have more female representation, they're taking a guy character and kind of just using that as a female, right. um, which, I think some people could say about some of the, the the females in these movies, but the fact that you have, I think, more of a broad spectrum of there's not just like one type of of yeah. woman in these movies yeah. is really neat. Yeah, they're, they're, you do, and and um, like I said, it's just really fun to see them uh, all different types. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to bring that up that like Mia's character often get sidelined from the story and like that is a little bit unfortunate um but it is an action movie and she's not the action star um but i think her role in the group is still like very valued and i like absolutely as part of the story yeah and i would i'd say the same thing just about the diversity of the this this film at all this is the biggest franchise that has that is not led by white people. Yeah, there's very few 
non-white people in it actually like, yeah we have paul Walker, i mean of, and then often the of the family itself like, are, the british yes. villains yeah. are yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah of the family itself you have paul walker and that's and that that's it and i guess no longer yeah um in the future right. ones but um having a a a full cast of dramatically diverse people is really interesting and something you don't see in franchise movies like you that really at all. don't and it adds so much to this movie like it's never discussed it's never like people don't really talk about the fact that like Ludacris is a black guy and that han is an asian guy it just they mm-hmm. all like exist together and their histories and like all of that is like woven together um i really really love that and not only is it great because it's something we don't get to see very often but it also like from a financial perspective is I think one of the big reasons this movie is these movies are such a hit around the world. Um, they're mm-hmm. fun spectacles, and those kind of movies will always be successful in a global box office. But when you have like people from all different types of cultures represented, that really helps. And so it's yeah, exciting. Definitely. Yeah. So let's let's take a look at the end of this movie and then how this will play out in the the new yeah. movie Fate of the Furious. Well, let me wrap up the Letty Dom storyline that I brought up earlier. Yes. So, um, yeah. At the end of this movie, there's these you know insane action sequences. Um, Dom gets critically injured, which almost never happens. <laughs> Dom is like indestructible <laughs> to anyone. throughout these movies. Like nothing stops yeah. him. And so to see something happen so serious that like Dom is knocked unconscious. Um, is like a big deal and uh, (laughs) brian's trying to resuscitate him and letty is kind of freaking out because this man that she loves might be dead and while trying to wake him up letty tells dom that she has remembered everything that it all came flooding back to her and that she remembers that the two of them were married at one point. And we see a flashback to the two of them getting married. And that's something that we as an audience didn't know, that the two of them had been married at one point. Um, and so we see she confesses all this to him and tells him, you know, when we got married, we promised that we wouldn't, not only like would we be together till one of us died, we would like die together. And she's like, and I'm not ready to die, so you can't die either. And Dom comes back to life, and he says one of the most beautiful things to me. I I really just can't get over it. Um, she once he's back, once he's awake, she asks him. She goes, "Why didn't you tell me that we were married?" And he says, "Because you can't tell someone that they love you." And I just love so much about like that meaning and that relationship that like the Dom is like obs- obsessively in love with this woman, but he's not going to like force that love onto himself. You know, he's, he's going to let her come to it whenever she can. And yeah. it's really beautiful uh, to me. It is. And I know that like, it seems so silly to think something is so beautiful in these fast and the furious movies, but I really <laughs> do think that the way that this franchise handles romantic relationships is pretty special. Um, and I think most action movies, you know, you have a guy who meets a girl in the movie and then by the end there's a big dramatic kiss. He like rescues her a few mm-hmm. times and then there's a kiss and that's the romantic subplot. And I think that yep. this is so much more complex than the romantic subplots you get in most action movies. Totally. Yeah. Totally. 
Okay, so wrap us up with this the sad part, Lucas. Okay, so amazingly, Paul Walker does not die in this movie. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Paul Walker does die in this movie. Amazingly, Brian does not die in I this know, movie. I kept thinking which, he was going to. I know, and I'm actually really excited at how they yeah. ended it. I thought for sure they'd somehow kill him off. But the fact that, the, that it ends with him realizing that everything he needs in his life is just his family and that he doesn't actually need um this life of of crime and everything and he's just gonna retire and and live with his family and like spend his time yeah. wisely yeah yeah um, I, that's a that's a very cool way to give him a fantastic yes, send-off and like the character can live on in our hearts with this happy ending mm-hmm. um the gang watches him and his family on a beach together, just being happy with each other. And the gang kind of realizes this is sort of a goodbye. Like he's not a Mm -hmm. part of the gang anymore. He's still our family, but he's not a part of the gang. He's not going to live this life with us anymore. Um, And we're very happy for him, but also sad because he's not going to be with us again. Also, you know, obviously a commentary on Mm -hmm. um, the, the death yep. of Paul Walker and and they they play into that so much in the end they do a little montage of of um Brian's kind of time with the gang all just shots from the first movie all the way through till the end um and it's super moving like you know, it is they, they play into it hard but in a way yeah. that's so pitch perfect I would like mm-hmm. I really am impressed with like the way it was handled um they show a montage. There's, you know, definitely some lines of dialogue that like, you know, it's Vin Diesel's character starts to walk away at, at the beach. And one of the gang members goes like, like, Hey, you're not going to say goodbye to him. And he, and Vin Diesel says something like, you know, it's, it's never goodbye. Um, yeah. It's, you know, really leaning on that. And, mm-hmm. and um, we, we get this amazing montage of Paul Walker throughout these movies and we see Vin Diesel um, driving in his car, and all of a sudden, Paul Walker pulls up in a car right next to him, in a white car right next to him, saying, mm-hmm. like, hey, we're going to leave without saying goodbye? Um, and I don't think we mentioned this, but a repeated thing throughout these movies is that um, Paul Walker and Vin Diesel race each other, and... Um, that's, you know, the two of them are very competitive with each other in racing. Um, yeah. And so this is a final time where the two of them are, are riding side by side together. Um, and it's this really joyous moment. And then um, we see this aerial shot where there the, the two cars, the white car that Paul Walker's in and the black car that Vin Diesel's in are, are driving side by side on the highway. And Vin Diesel's car keeps going straight on this highway and Paul Walker's veers off into a separate one and then kind of just rides out into the distance into the mountains Mm -hmm. and it fades out into white. And it's, I cried so hard. (laughs) That damn white car is like the most obvious metaphor you could ever have. And it is so beautiful. Like, it's such you know this move these movies obviously are not about subtlety so it is pitch perfect to do something that's not Mm -hmm. subtle to do to do something that's just obvious and full of heart and um they just 
it really just showed how much he as an actor meant to the people who made these movies. Yep. Definitely. No. Oh. So good. So yeah. good. Um, so now you're caught up, Lucas. Yes. And you're I am excited about the eighth movie. <sighs> yes. So pumped. Yeah. I I'm it I I think it's still gonna be hard to watch this without Paul Walker in it. Um but I'm just I'm so excited to see this crew yeah, again. <laughs> me too. Um one of the things I'm really excited about for this movie that is not in any of the trailers is that Helen Mirren is gonna be in this movie playing the mother of Owen and Deckard Shaw, the two previous villains that we've seen. Oh, really? Yes. Um, oh my gosh, we're still dealing with the Shaw yes. family. <laughs> What's so crazy is that Helen Mirren loves car movies because she loves to yes. fast. And she did an interview where she talked about how she would love to play a part in the Fast and Furious franchise because she loves them. And then there was a red carpet interview where Vin Diesel... Um, was someone brought this up to Vin Diesel that Helen Mirren would love to be in these movies. And he goes, that's not a bad idea. She could play like maybe the, the mother of, and then he just <laughs> did it. <laughs> that's also so crazy because I'm trying to remember what the plot point was, but when Vin Diesel was um, brainstorming ideas for like one of the fast and the furious movies, um, he asked fans, he's like, what would you like to see? And someone submitted an idea that he used as like a major plot point. So Vin Diesel is just taking ideas wherever he can get them for this franchise. Hey, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Like this is something you can't do with a superhero right. franchise. You can't just say like, Hey, it'd be cool if Helen Mirren did this random yeah. thing and then just be like, yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah. It's great because you don't have like Universal is just kind of letting this happen. Right. Like I said before, like they kind of lucked into this franchise and it's working. So let Vin Diesel kind of do whatever he wants. And that's how you get good movies out of this is letting Vin Diesel do whatever right. he wants. Right. Um, oh, so, yeah, I'm really excited about that one. Um, I'm excited to see Charlize Theron as the villain character. Um, mm -hmm. I'm less excited about her dreads in this movie. That is really a dreads are dreads are never no, a good idea. No, white people should never wear dreads. That's just a rule. <laughs> um, oh, so I, I don't like that. But everything else about this movie has me very excited. One thing I'm not excited about is that she's a hacker in this yeah. movie. So we're probably going to get another flash drive oh, chase. Yeah. I'm okay with flash drive chases. <laughs> it may, like it's simple. I understand them. Like. See, I don't. I never yeah. do. I always get super confused about what it is we're looking yeah. for and what we're trying to do, but we'll see. Sure. If they can make it simple, I'm okay. in. No. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Fast and Furious, or no, not Fast and Furious. The Fate of the Furious comes out April 14th? Yes. So, And it's directed by uh, F. Gary Gary. Sorry, F. Gary Gary. F. Gary Gray. <laughs> <laughs> Um, who directed Straight Outta Compton um, and The Italian Job. So he's already worked with Charlize yes, Theron. and done heist movies um, before. And done heist movies and car yes. movies. So I'm pumped. Yeah. This is going to be good. 
Can't wait. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us. Sandra, anything else from you? Nope, that's it. Thank you so much, people, for listening to me just gab about the plot lines of all these movies. (laughs) Seven movies. Summarizer in chief, Sandra (laughs) Olmstead's right here. I will do this all day, any day. (laughs) All right, Sandra, where can we find you? All of my social media handles are at Sandra Olmstead's. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me around the web at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find all of us on Twitter at Feeling It Pod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash feelingitpod. Go on iTunes, leave us a review if you love the episode or love the show, whatever. Other than that, we will talk to you later. Bye. Adios. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 